and Geekiest Show Ever, number 14, the podcast with no theme music. I don't know, Geisero, I think we need some theme music up in the house. Yeah, but uh, considering in, in all the different directions the show goes, what could it possibly, you know, you're going to go techno, you're going to go rock, you're going to go classic, where, where are you going to go? I, I don't know, we got to do something though, it's just, I mean, we start raw, boom, we're recording, we're on, boom, go. I don't know, we need maybe, something. Maybe we should have a different theme every week. Oh, uh, God. Who's going to organize that? Yeah, I, I, I elect David, and it was his idea. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will concoct something in GarageBand every week. So last week was uh, another Star Wars episode. This week, we don't really have a topic that we're going to uh, talk about. I'm sure something will materialize, but we're kind of going into this cold a little bit. Uh, most of the people listening to this podcast know that we also do the MyMac.com podcast. And so we've been kind of uh, talking about the MyMac show and what we're doing there. And in the Mac universe, Snow Leopard is coming out this week. So our focus really has been kind of there. And now we're doing a show that has nothing to do with Macs. Although it kind of does. I mean, it's a geeky show, right? We can talk about anything. Um, But, you know, we talk about Macs on the other show. And I don't know. let's, Let's keep this show clean. (laughs) <laughs> clean of technology <laughs> keep it clean uh let's yeah. take a, care of a little bit of house cleaning first uh like i said if you're subscribed to this show and you don't subscribe to our other you might want to check it out at mymac.com we've been doing that show for geez a number of years now since 2004 uh, 2004 yep so that's our flagship show flagship show but that's not easy to say no doesn't want to come out naturally what does that make this show? The Dirty Little Secret. Dirty Little Secret. Yeah, we should have. That would have been the great name for this show, huh? Dirty Little Secret. <laughs> I, you know, honestly, I'm I'm kind of surprised that the the name itself, geekiest show ever, wasn't taken yet when I grabbed it. You would have thought something like that would have been gone. Pretty quick. It's a natural. I think it's a great name, and I don't say that because I'm the one that came up with it. I just think it's it's the geekiest show ever. We talk about all things geek, and. uh it was still there. <laughs> so we'll take it. What the heck? I, I think the problem is is most 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 podcasts of this genre try and make some sort of pun, uh, and we just didn't. We just said, well, this is what it is. There you go. N- not pretentious. No. no. Definitely no. not. No. So I not know you guys all. didn't get to see this yet, but I did. District 9. I love this movie. It is a a geek wet dream. It's one of these movies that, honestly, I didn't think were made anymore. That's the best way I can describe it. I didn't think this high caliber sci-fi type of movie was being done out there anywhere. But that wasn't based on like a prior franchise. Exactly. Well, then again, the stuff that was based on a prior franchise, that's usually not done very well. Case in point, G.I. Joe, Transformers, the Flintstones. Oh, wait, the Flintstones. Oh. <laughs> Brady they've, Bunch. They've tried, that, they've tried that twice, and, and it was just god-awful both times. But it, but isn't, isn't, it, isn't this quite interesting? I mean, obviously, District 9 has been getting very, very positive uh, feedback from everybody who's seen it. I'm really looking forward to seeing it. But, you know, this is something that I commented to you about, Tim, a couple of weeks ago via email. You know, the media industry is so obsessed with either taking old TV shows and turning them into movies or games or, you know, taking existing franchises and doing the next sequel uh, or the next update and that sort of thing. And, you know, we've had we've had that 
particularly this summer with these big sequel movies and then here district nine's come along which is a, a an original fresh idea and this is the one that's getting getting much more buzz i'm not surprised at all i i think there's starting to become a backlash of rehashing the past but guy that being said i'm really looking forward to uh the new v series yeah um the the v series now for for those of you who are old enough to remember uh, the original V series actually started off as I think a what was either a, a three TV. or a four episode miniseries. Yeah, and the original yeah. was much better. I, everything that came after the original miniseries was kind of crapped. Yeah, me. yeah. The, the 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 TV show that was based on on the miniseries was was really pretty awful. You you could tell that the the original people that made the miniseries just kind of I don't know if they lost interest or if they lost if they lost creative control. Uh, but it, it was it was it was the latter. Kenneth Johnson was the guy who created it, and he kind of got um, he he didn't like the way it was going with the second miniseries, which kind of tied up the original story. Um, and basically, the uh, I forget which network it was on, but they kind of drummed him out of it and took control. I think it was. I think that was uh, NBC. Yeah, could have been. I don't remember at this point. Hmm. But it, but V had a very similar premise to District Nine in that it was about sudden arrival of of alien spaceships over the world and, and the impact, you know, the kind of the, the, the way that V starts is the impact that has on the world to suddenly realize we're not alone. And not only that, these guys are right here above us. Nah, that's not really what district nine is about though. I mean, the arrival and all that is covered in the movie, but only at the very beginning and in a faux documentary. Um, and it's really not even the focus of the show. What are they doing here? Why are they here? That's never explored in, in District 9. And you don't even care about it because the the overall story, the line of District 9, is so compelling and it's so well acted that it's only after the movie that you're driving home and you think, there's a lot of stuff left that I would like to know about that maybe a novel could cover. Um, but maybe not. You have to see it. I say I can't say too much because right because we haven't. Seen you guys it haven't seen yeah. it yet. But you know the, the the buzz around this movie kind of reminds me uh, last year when Cloverfield came out. Yeah, that I would say is a good comparison. Um, although I will say that I I liked Cloverfield. I thought it was a, a great there, premise. There, there were parts there were parts of Cloverfield that just didn't work for me. Oh, I agree uh, totally. But they, that being said, this. District Nine is a much better film on every single level than than Cloverfield. Yeah, Cloverfield was kind of like a an experiment. You know, it was about it was about doing making a movie in a. Very it was different the Blair way. Witch Project, but it's yeah, Aliens that's on what Earth. I was yeah. About to say. yeah, yeah, and and it worked for. And I, I liked it better than Blair Witch, honestly. Um, yeah. and, and you know, you that's another movie that doesn't really answer the bigger questions because it's not. It doesn't matter as far as the story goes. Yeah, and I kind of yeah, like why that. the monsters there and how he got there. You know, and all the, the rest best of it. science fiction don't explain how anything works. They don't explain in Star Wars how the hyperspace works or who invented it. Whereas in Star Trek, they give you every single detail and they try to explain everything. Well, we here's my phaser. This to... is the way it works. And right. I'm going to shoot that guy. Who cares? Yeah, just you shoot. Know? Just shoot the guy. Exactly. You know. Yeah. Um, but you know that it's different tastes in science fiction. I like Star Trek. Don't get me wrong. Don't send me any hate mail. <laughs> you know my my AOL screen name is DS Nine DS Nine Two. So that ought to tell you something right there. But I don't know. It, it, I like the science fiction that assumes that we're intelligent and 
we can fill in the gaps for ourselves. for ourselves. Yeah, yeah. you know, you, you don't have to tell me everything. You, you really the don't. Only, yeah, but the, the, the difference, what makes good science fiction from bad science fiction is where the filmmakers know the backstory. Even if they don't necessarily present it to you spoon-fed on the screen or uh, in the game or whatever, it's there in the background and you can pick up bits and pieces of it if you want to. Because what, what, what makes bad sci-fi for me is when effectively they've decided, oh, it's not important for us to worry about that. Let's just assume it works. Because that's how you get, you know, the implausibility and the really bad plot holes and, you know, the things that just kind of don't work. I think, we, you know, one of the things about District 9 that, that I've been hearing is, in fact, you know, they thought about all of this. And Cloverfield was another one where um, the, uh, the makers of the movie... They had the answers, they had the ideas about where the monster came from and what it was trying to achieve and everything like that. And then they fitted the story we saw into that world. And that's what makes it real. That's what makes it better for the audience than for something that's just kind of, you know, uh, well, we're not going to worry about the background because that's just window dressing. Yeah, it's it's good science fiction versus like Doctor Who. I, 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 that was a shout out to well, you there, David. <laughs> yeah, Doctor Who's a very good example of that where, you know, the um, the... The, the writers will often not worry about about the edges um you know and will focus very much on the middle but, but you end up with you know this situation where you get gadgets and you get uh you know deus ex machina which just basically fixes a problem um, right and it's not good storytelling because it it you know it just looks like a get out it, it, it takes it takes a sh- it takes a shortcut it takes a cheap way yeah. out well exactly. a lot of a lot of sh- not just science fiction but a lot of shows you know at the end of the episode, and it's mandated, that the good guys are going to be left in exactly the same situation that they were when they started the episode. So when the next episode arrives, you don't have to have seen the last one. Uh, Star Trek, the next generation, was very much that for three and a half seasons before they changed that formula up and the show actually got good. There was was some pretty pretty bad examples of that where you know no matter what mortal peril they were in literally in in the like the end scene kind of said well we just recovered from that now and everything's back to normal and we're heading back to starbase repair yeah it was pretty much (laughs) until the borg showed up where you realize that things could change and you know it's not always going to have a happy ending uh, some people say that that kind of started with Natasha Yar being killed, but I disagree because that was. Well, so no, she was killed. She was killed at the end of the first season. Now you have to remember only that because the first she wanted season... off of the series. Oh really? And, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, they, she, they didn't really well, she, have much she got for her the... to do other than to you know run around and make a lot of noise and and have nice looking boobs. That but, was about. That but was that's about not why she wanted. She thought she was a bigger star than what she really was. She really well, she wanted she to really expand. Was. And then after they wrote her off and killed her character. About a year later, she did everything she could possibly do to try to get back on the show because she realized she just messed up royally. And even to this day, that her whole professional career really is based around Star Trek still. Of of the next generation. And and the one episode she came back um, from Time Warp thing or some... Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite Next Generation episodes. Yeah, and then she played a Romulan. She was part human, part Romulan, and she was her daughter from an alternate timeline. It got confusing. But beyond that, though, the whole Trekkie shows. Did you ever see those movies? There's two of them. she's, Uh, She's the person who hosted those shows. So she she royally screwed up by getting off the show, and then when she realized that I actually had it pretty good there. 
her whole career after that's trying to get back into the Star Trek universe. Well, she's she actually can. she's actually guest starring in uh, it's a f- Star Trek fan film series called uh, Phase Two. Yeah, uh, that just goes to to prove my point. I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Now she's not, she's not playing Tasha Yar, um, but this is this is a whole fan film based on the original series where it's supposed to be like season four and season five and the gap between the original series and the first movie. You know what and, bothers me? I don't, I hate to interrupt you guy, but I this no, just ahead. dawned on me and I, I, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. You forgot well, to hit the record button. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what really bothers me is these actors who are so honored to get a particular role and it's early in their career. I'll give you a prime example, like Tobey Maguire getting Spider-Man. Sure. And you you read the interviews and you could see the excitement on his face and that he's a, he's on this big franchise now. And the end product is pretty good. And so you start associating, obviously, that character with that actor. And then somewhere along the lines, they start getting this big head. Mm-hmm. I think it has something to do with peer pressure. Oh, here comes Spider-Man boy or something like that. Yeah. And they start thinking, I need to do more serious roles, and I need to get out of the superhero fluff type of movies, or the science fiction, or whatever David it is. David Duchovny with the X-Files. Exactly. And you start reading interviews with them where they don't even mention it, the, the Spider-Man character or the X-Files, and you know that the interviewee... Wants is, to talk about it. Well, the interviewee would be... The, oh, the interviewer. Sorry. The interviewer definitely yeah. wants to mention it, but the interviewee doesn't, and they've probably given him the, the actors, handlers, the PR people has probably given the interviewee or interviewer, you know, instructions. He doesn't want to talk about X Files, so don't bring it up. So they don't. Um, you see the the stuff that was going on with Tobey Maguire that he didn't really want to do any more Spider Mans, but they threw a lot of money at him, and it's like you know what? Screw him then. Yeah. You know, heaven forbid people like him in this role. They spend their hard earned money to go see a, a movie with him in it because it's Spider Man and wow, that's Spider Man cool. And then they get this big head. They're like, oh, I got to do something more serious. Yeah. I haven't made my Godfather picture yet. Like, they're too good for the movies that made their career. They gave yeah. them this name. And I see or, it happen. Or even, oh. or even, it's even worse in TV. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I would totally agree with you. It, Len, Leonard Nimoy is, is a prime example of that, who spent years and even wrote a book trying to get away from the Spock character. And, and, the, and the interesting thing about Leonard Nimoy is he realized, you know, after it took him about 20, 25 years, he realized that actually how wrong he was. Yeah, he realized absolutely. that, uh, you know, that how important that ca- playing that character had, had been in his life and, and how many people he'd managed to affect with that. And, and he, he very, he's very much come to terms with it now. Yeah, he's embraced so, which is, it. Which is the reason he appeared in the, in the, in the latest movie. Mm-hmm. Well, now, a, a, quick, a quick bit of Leonard Nimoy tr- uh, trivia. Um, did you know that he was in the pilot episode of Get Smart? Nope. As, a no, chaos, it, as a chaos bad guy. It doesn't, doesn't surprise me because he did, he did a lot of TV shows like that mm-hmm. after Star Trek. He did Mission Impossible. No, this was before Star Trek. All right. But, yeah, you're right, David. He, he came to embrace the role in realizing how important it was to, to not just himself but to other people out there. And you would think that people like him somehow could maybe in, impart a little bit of wisdom 
on this later generation of actors who think that they're above these roles now. And I think Tobey Maguire is a prime example. It wouldn't work. I don't think so either, but I, I think there's something inherently wrong with us starting to invest so much time and effort into these actors that when push comes to shove, despise what they did before. They sneer at their fandom. And they do. You can see the ones that do that. You know, oh, yeah. It comes back to bite them on the ass. Right. And then you see some actors who are both a serious actor and they do the fluff films. I didn't say snuff. I said fluff. And they've embraced not just the serious acting side, but but the popcorn stuff. And I say, um, um, what's his name? Hugh from uh, The Wolverine Guy. What's his name? Hugh. Hugh Jackman. Hugh Jackman. He's one. I've got a better example than that. He's done that same. Michael Caine's out. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, Bruce Willis. Bruce, well. No, Bruce Bruce Willis has done some serious roles, but, you know, he's never been afraid to do do the action movies that kind of, you know, launched his career. Yeah, that's true. I'll give him that. I've just read too many interviews and firsthand accounts of working with Bruce Willis to to give in easily on that one. Uh, yeah, I think he's, the problem with, with, uh, with him is he's probably a little bit erratic. <laughs> I would imagine so. Yeah. Uh, it, I mean, he's a huge actor. It'd probably be hard not to live in your own world. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, just It really bothers me, these actors who kind of, especially if they come back and do it again, and you're thinking, the only reason this guy's doing it, and again, I'll go back to Tommy McGuire, is because he's getting that fat paycheck. It's the only reason. And I don't think it's warranted, especially when you look at his actual performance in the last Star or in the last Spider Man movie. It was Which atrocious. Was, yeah. It, it was well, one of the worst movies I've seen of the decade. Just but, horrible. Yeah. But to be on the fair side, he he you know, nobody really had much to work with in that movie. No, no the material but, was fairly weak. Absolutely, but people are not going to see that movie because he's playing Spider Man. They're going to see it because it's Spider Man. Right. And let's face it, I mean, you know, when you're in a superhero movie, particularly one like Spider-Man, where, you know, once the costume is on and the mask is on, it could be anybody under there. Absolutely. Um, you know, and in fact, obviously, you know, most of Spider-Man is. is CGI. It's not uh, it's not a physical person. There's a real risk with, with um, becoming too, you know, too arrogant about the part because plenty of, plenty of movie studios will say, well, fine, replace him, recast him. Well, well you have, know... Have, now you're a comic book guy, Tim. Yep. Did you ever hear of a series called American Flag? Sure. It was on. It was oh. under the first comics imprint. Yeah, he was a British guy. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Howard Chaykin was the one that drew it and, and wrote it originally. Right. And no, uh, I'm saying the character I, yeah. himself. That was. Ruben no. Flag. Yeah. All right. No, Go he on. was American. Yeah, he was American. Yeah. But the whole thing was he started off as this like TV action star, this really popular TV show. And he ended up, because he was kind of a pain in the ass, he ended up getting fired, and they replaced him with a hologram, and nobody seemed to notice any difference. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, 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 I agree. Well, let's get on to another subject, because we could could beat up on Hollywood actors all day, and it's kind of like clubbing a seal. (laughs) (laughs) And and at the end of the day, you know, with their multi-million dollar paychecks, like, they really care what we think. Right. Well, I still think it's bl- clubbing. They should a seal. do, but 
They it, it's fun for a minute, but then you look down and it's just this defenseless little seal, and it was way too easy to do. <laughs> Ooh, I can see the hate yeah, mail coming yeah. on that to- one. Toby, if you're listening and you want to throw some of those checks our way as compensation for uh, for Spider-Man 3, then feel free. Yeah, I, I wouldn't <laughs> mind a refund for that one. <laughs> oy, oy. You know, speaking of... Uh, I'm a little depressed. I found out late in the game, in fact, just last week, one of my favorite series on television, Everyone Hates Chris, was actually canceled after the last season, after season four. And I was so bummed out about it. It was such a good show. That was, I never watched that. Well, thanks. That's why I got canceled, idiot. <laughs> well, no, there was something. There's, 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 there's not really very many shows on TV that I watch. And well, honestly, this was on the CW. And yeah. I bet most of the people listening to this sh- get the CW, but have no idea what channel it's on. I mean, that's how obscure the CW is. Right. Um, but this was a show. It was executive produced by Chris Rock. He did the the narration of the show, and it was loosely based on his life. And the the, the characters though were so rich. Uh, the acting was. Well done. It really did remind me of shows from the 80s, but yet it didn't. And I really enjoyed it. It was one of these shows that kids and adults can enjoy for completely different reasons. The way he grew up, other than being in New York and being black, was very reminiscent for me, Um, especially the way his mom talked a lot of the time. And the situations he went through, I could totally relate to when I was a kid. So I really enjoyed it. And it's depressing when you find out a show that you really enjoyed that was kind of this hidden gem that most people don't watch. It was canceled. But I'm just glad that I've, I had four years of it and I have them all on, you know, I have every episode. So I'm happy about that at least. But it's one that you guys should definitely check out if you get the chance. I've seen a couple of episodes of it and I, I do love Chris Rock. I think he's a fantastically talented comedian. Um, you know, but uh, it's not it's not been... I don't think the show's really been well well transmitted over here in the UK, um, and I, I suppose obviously with it now being cancelled, uh, I, I guess it wasn't doing so well in the states either. No, it's um, coming to uh, the the more of the adult Nick at Night type of show, uh, a channel. They're going to start repeating them there, and I guarantee you, what's going to happen is going to pick up a big following there, and they're probably going to renew it. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that can happen. Or, or sometimes if stuff becomes big on DVD, they can bring it back. Well, it, it, it kind of depends on, on how well it does do. Now, now, part of the problem as well is that a lot of times the people that were on the show have moved on and, you know, aren't necessarily going to come back. If they've already canceled it once, would Chris Rock even be interested in doing it again? No, he was the one that said, I don't want to give it away, but Chris Rock dropped out of high school after the 10th grade. And in the series, he just dropped out of high school because he was in, at the end of the 10th grade. Because he, the kid wants to focus on becoming a comedian. And so where does the show go from that point? Because that's what happens to Chris. Do we, well, you know, it, it would well, be difficult could, to... They, they could always write new stuff. I mean, it doesn't have to be purely based on his life, does it? I, I totally agree. Yep. Um, looking up on uh, Ain't It Cool News, do you, what sites do you guys go to to get your geek fill? I mean, Ain't It Cool News is kind of the site that I go to to get up to the minute what's going on in the, the geek universe. Yeah. Um, is there um, is there sites out there that you guys like to go to to, to get this information? 
I, yeah, I really like Slash Film. I find that's one of the best movie sites going. I've never been um, there. Sla- it's oh. SlashFilm.com? Yeah, it's really, really good. Um, and also I, I watch the Totally Rad Show, which is a, uh, a video podcast that weekly does uh, mo- movies, games, and uh, TV stuff normally. Um, so, uh, and, and in fact, they were the ones who put me on Slash Film. That's where they get a lot of their material from. Uh, they, right now but, on Slash Film, they got... Right, VOTD, I'm taking as a video of the day. Quentin Tarantino yeah. reviews There Will Be Blood. Yeah. I'm already like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. This is literally all the latest, you know, ad, they, they, they constantly have posts talking about all the latest movie, uh, movie news in terms of, you know, what's happening on set, um, you know, things that have been cancelled, things that have been changed, if directors are changing, if writers are changing, casting's been made, you'll you'll normally see it on here pretty quickly. Uh, and also, they do quite a lot of TV stuff as well. It's it's really a very good... Effectively, it's like Engadget for, for, for um, you know, moving media. It's really well, I'm good. there. I, I'm, I just bookmarked it. Yeah. So it's definitely going to be one that I go back to because I'm always looking for something interesting to read. And now, what's the URL on that? Just slashfilms.com? Slashfilms.com. Slashfilm, not without the S, just slashfilm.com. Oh, slashfilm.com. Yeah. I like it. Looks cool. What about you guys? Are like any... Well, for, for movies and TV, and it, it, it's mostly just a, a pure information site. I really like imdb.com. Um, nine times out of ten as I'm watching something, it'll be like, oh, well, wait a second. Who is that guy? Who is that girl? Where have I seen him before? And it's real easy just to say, okay, well, I'm going to look at this particular show. I'm going to find that particular actor, and I got, I have it their entire history right there in front of me. It's not so great for you know what's going on now, kind of thing. Um, I, you know, because we really have so little control over what's going to be released as a movie or what's going to be released on TV or or you know what's going to be the the next popular audio artist that. I, I find the news of what's coming up and, and what's about to be made to be kind of depressing. I, I can't really describe it better than that. So I, I just kind of like to be surprised. Oh, look what's coming up now. And maybe I'll like that. Good point. I, I, I totally respect that. That's cool. I, yeah. I kind of like knowing a little ahead of time. I, I like to get myself excited about upcoming projects, stuff that I can't wait to see. And unfortunately, increasingly, I'm finding more and more movies that I see the previews for, and I go, ah, I think I could wait till that comes out on video. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I the re- one of the reasons I went and saw District 9 is because Chad Perry and I had been talking about it a little bit, and I was like, well, let's go see it. And he said, cool, all right. So we just went and saw it, and I, of course I was blown away. But that's rare. I don't usually do that too much anymore. Um, just thinking about some of the upcoming movies that I know are being made, like uh, Green Arrow, or not Green Arrow, Green Hornet. By Seth Rogen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you so know, they're not playing it straight then. Well, who knows? I, you know, I just because Seth Rogen's in it, I don't think necessarily means it's going to be a comedy. But if you think about the television show, it was never played straight. It was always a comedy. Uh no, I disagree. Uh, I, I think uh, Green Hornet was actually, I, I think, played more seriously than uh, Batman was, which I think is part of the reason why it didn't last as long. Well, the the the, the Green Hornet himself was an idiot. He he kept getting himself into problems he could never fix himself, and it was always Cato Bruce Lee who came in to rescue him because he was such a freaking idiot. 
Well, I, my memories of that are a little bit different. It was done, it was done by the same people that did Batman. In, in fact, Green Hornet and and Cato was actually on a Batman episode. Did you ever see that? Yes, I did. They kind of popped out from the little window. windows. They're climbing up the wall. <laughs> well, I mean, there were a lot of there were a lot of celebrities at the time that that really wanted to to do that. <laughs> and yeah, Batman. And, and if you oh, wait, look really sorry, closely when Cheney. they're climbing up that wall, they're obviously just like walking along a flat surface, and somebody has a rope or something on their cape to to pull it back to look yeah. like they're sideways. And uh, uh, I think even Milton Berle did a, a guest shot coming out of a window. Well, it's not like Milton Berle was some kind of a serious actor, though. Well, yeah, but I mean, just there there were people lining up to do guest bits, either as villains. Oh, it or, paid well. I mean, no question. But well, I doubt it paid very well. But it was excellent exposure because for the first two years that Batman was on, I mean, it was it was hot. Mm. You know, I I I think that Green Hornet could be a good movie. I definitely want to see it. I don't know if I'll spend my money to go see it in a theater, though. I think it really depends on depends. the trailers. Yeah, it's it's going to depend on because I, I remember. So so many of the movies that I go to see, a lot of it does depend on the trailer. Um, but you know, the trailer there, there are obvious exceptions, like with Up, uh, the, the the Pixar movie that just came out, yeah, not too long ago. There was really very little in the trailer that told you anything about what the story was. And thank Pixar God. has a history of doing that. Yes, and thank God. Well, I don't think so. I think I do. Up was is some of the it was one of the best movies that they've made since Finding Nemo. But I, you know, I totally agree. But did it need a better trailer? Were they hurting financially? I think, and this is, we can actually talk about this for a minute too. Sure. I think trailers give away way too much stuff nowadays. We don't need a two and a half minute trailer to get excited about a movie. And if it's two and a half minutes, chances are they're giving away so much that you don't need to go see the movie. Well, and and what's what's wrong with that as well is that, I remember when we were when I was growing up, they used to do trailers where they didn't show too much of the movie. Absolutely, the trailer would be something different. It was a separate piece of art. Yep, and it would have shots from the movie in, but it wasn't all of the movie. And now all they do is they cut two and a half minutes out of the movie. Normally, the best special effects bits. Do you know uh, why they, they do that the, though? All the funny, well, because they think it's going to bring no. people in. Nope, that's not why. It's because that's all they got. Nope, that's not why either. It's because the people who used to make the trailers was the director and the editor of the movie. The people who make the now trailers now is marketing people from a completely yeah. different company. Yeah. They have no respect for what you may or may not see in the movie. The director doesn't want to give away all the good jokes in the trailer. He doesn't want to give away all the plot points. The marketing company doesn't give a crap. Yeah. You know, that's, how many their times job is you... to get interest up. Yeah. How many times have you been halfway through a movie and you realize a shot you saw in the trailer has given away something towards the end of the plot yep absolutely and that's because of what i just said it's not the director or this even the studio making these trailers anymore it's these outside firms that that's their specialty and i think that's hurting the hollywood industry more than anything else they give away way way too much way too much or what they do is they misrepresent the film because they've decided they're going to market it a certain way. Yeah, they're going to say, which, oh, this, which, is, this is a comedy now. What? It's not a comedy. You go see the movie and you're expecting laughs and you're like, well, this is kind yeah. of a drama. Here's, here's, here's a good example of that. There's, there was a film that was out last year with uh, 
Owen Owen Wilson in called Marley and Me. Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. Yep. And I no, agree. I didn't see the film, but uh, what, what <laughs> let me onto this? And I actually looked at the film up on Wikipedia after I saw this because it was marketed as it was, it was it was like a romantic comedy where yep. the guy's with the girl and then he gets the dog and the you know, dog upsets her life and all yep. this sort of thing, you know. And the trailer kind of made it look like that, right? I saw a bus stop with the poster on. Um, I was walking along one day and somebody had, and this is a spoiler for anyone who's not seen this film, uh, somebody had written on the on the poster, the dog dies at the end. Yep. And I saw that and <laughs> first I laughing. I thought it was hilarious, right? But then I thought, well, hang on a minute, how does this work in a comedy? That doesn't really sound... So I went and looked the movie up on Wikipedia and found out, hey, it's not a comedy. No, yes, it's it not. Yes, it has comedy moments in it, which is what they banged into the trailer, but actually it's much more about a journey story, about how this guy, you know, grows up because of the dog and, and you know, how the dog changes his life and how he writes a whole series of newspaper columns about the effect this dog has had on his life. And that's not and even that's really what the movie is about. about. Somewhat. You know, the movie's about would this that, guy's would life. Would that be more along the lines of a dramedy? Uh, no, it's it's a drama. It's 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 not a comedy. I mean, funny stuff happens. But and you think about the best dramas, funny stuff always happens in a drama. Otherwise, the dramatic moments aren't as dramatic if there's if yeah. you didn't have it following something that was funny. If a movie can make you laugh and cry, that's the best. Now, I had when I saw the previews to uh, Marley and Me. I thought, I don't care about this movie at all. I don't want to go see some comedy with Owen Wilson about some funny dog, and Jennifer Anson's probably got some secondary role. She's the eye candy, so the guys can look at something while the kids are laughing. Had no interest, excuse me, had no interest in this movie at all. My wife and I ended up watching it maybe a month and a half ago. And about halfway through, I had to use the bathroom, so I paused the Apple TV, and I looked at her, I said, you know, I'm actually really enjoying this movie. This is much better than I thought it was going to be. And she goes, I know. And it was because it wasn't a comedy. And that, if anything, the company that made the trailer did the film a disservice. Yeah. By trying to make it out to be something it wasn't. It, you're drawing in the wrong audience. And when they get there, they have a pretext of what this is going to be about. And then when you actually watch the movie... I doubt if anybody who actually went and saw the movie thinking it was going to be some kind of a romantic comedy or a pet comedy was disappointed at the end because it was just really a, a well-done movie. But it's not what it was billed to be. Great point, yeah. David. I'm glad you brought that up because, absolutely, I can't think of a better scenario that the trailer wasn't a true representation of what the movie is going to be. By the same token, I can go back to 1999 and watch the original trailer for... Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace, and it looked fantastic. Right, couldn't wait. You know, planetary invasion, and no, it wasn't. It wasn't though. Go back and watch that trailer again, guy. It it was. You know, they show the guy standing there, and you know, prepare for planetary invasion, and the the music, and the action, and the lightsabers, and you're like, oh, this is awesome. And then the movie came out, and it, it was horrible. I mean, I would have. I would have given the movie. Fanboys, right? Yes, I did. Okay, I won't go any farther than that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would have given the movie a ten out of ten by the trailer, and a one out of ten after actually seeing it. So it can work both ways. It's, it is a true representation of what the film is, but it's not the full film. But way too often, as of late, and I would say as of late as in ten years now, these little companies that make the trailers are doing a disservice to us. 
and to Hollywood. And they need to knock that crap off and let the people who make the films make the trailers. Because let's be honest, they know what the movie's about. They know how to entice us in to see it by their vision of what the movie is. And they're not going to give away all the good parts. Silence. Yep. Well, it's just the problem. Uh, it's hard is, when, it, we, when we agree with you. <laughs> yeah, you I say? mean, it's the the problem is it's unlikely to change because you know that's that's kind of the industry. The industry's this particular industry is not very good at listening to uh, what its customers want. Yeah, it but the customer doesn't know what it wants. Well, let's be honest; they do know what the, the Hollywood does know better than us. If you ask people what they want. They'll say A, B, C, and D, and you give them A, B, C, and D spoon-fed, and they don't like it. So people don't know what they want. They, If they did, they wouldn't be going to the theater to, for escapism. But the problem with Hollywood that I see is they build these formulas for themselves, and they don't know how to break out of it. I was watching a, uh, I can't tell you what the name of it was, but it was basically uh, somewhat of a documentary about... Francis Ford Coppola, George Lucas, and somebody else in there about the 60s and 70s on where they came from, how they got their start, the the movie studio that they set up in San Francisco, uh, very running counterculture to what the big Hollywood films were doing at the time, and how they tried to change the movie industry, and they did. And they did it very early. Well, no, they, they did change it. Well, yeah, but so many, so many times, you know, these these guys set off to to change the industry, and they and they end up just becoming part of the system. You look at you look well, at United, United system, Artists. Though. You know, a, Charlie Chaplin and, yep. and and some of the other guys set up United Artists to be kind of a counter to the way that the movie studios were. Yep, and they ended up becoming the very thing that they hated. Well, the thing that they hated became what they were, and then they bastardized it. That's kind of what happened. Look at um, look at what George Lucas and Indian and um, Steven Spielberg did with Indiana Jones Four. Oh God! Is it just me, or has Steven Spielberg pretty much lost any credits that he did? Do anything anymore? Well, what he does, he does badly. Yeah, uh, War of the Worlds. Yeah, this is the problem. War of the Worlds. Yeah, well, but look, but this is the problem with um, this is the problem with Indiana Jones four for for twenty years. Harrison Ford says I'm not going to do an Indiana Jones four until they show me a script that's worth me getting out of bed for. Yep. Right. They they knock up this script. The script was terrible. Yep. Yeah. It was made badly. It had. It's full of loads of cheesy jokes that you just know that George Lucas threw. Bad in there. special effects. Yeah. Bad special effects. You know, it, it was it was derivative. It it was worse than all, all three of the previous movies. You know, and this at, is at the end. When, Indy has nothing to do with saving the day. It's not even him. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And well, the, the ending didn't even make any sense. No, none at all. You know, the, the whole plot didn't make any sense because the whole thing they've been battling for, just like you know, well, it was just it, it, it just didn't make. I can't even explain it. it, no, it was horrible. They, it was just they horrible. They get the skull. They get the skulls to the place that where they don't want it to go, and the gu- the girl's got the skull, and the skull makes her head explode for no good reason whatsoever, except that she <laughs> was marked in the script as the bad guy. Right. And then then the uh, the place they're in blows up and flies off just because that's what things do at the end of an Indiana Jones. It didn't make any sense, and you think. Guys, twenty years you had to work on this script, and this and is this the best is what they you, get. Know, yeah, you best could come they up could with. Do. 
and, and you know it started you guys have been so, to the best yeah. guys in hollywood it started so well too that whole beginning of the movie was done really well up into the part where an atomic bomb goes off and he is sp and he is shot 500 miles away inside of a refrigerator and walks away yeah. fine yeah. At that it was at that point that I was looking for the shark. Yeah, because the they, shark they, had already come and come and gone. You missed them. Yeah, they the, the, they the, jumped the, the shark the, right then. But and the was there really any reason to have? And you know, let's face it, Karen Allen was was super hot back in the day. She hit the brick wall a long time ago. No, I no, I'll disagree with you there, um, because for real Indiana Jones fans, and which I know you are, guy. Yes. That was Indy's true love. That was the one he was supposed to be with. And he regretted it. And he alludes to that in The Last the Crusade. The first movie. Well, the first movie is her. She's in that. The second right. movie had the other chick, but that was actually... A prequel. A prequel. Yeah. And then in The Last Crusade, he actually alludes to the fact that he, he lost his one true love. So I was glad that they actually brought her back. They had a chemistry on screen that really worked for me. Unfortunately, well, it, it, it worked in very well in the first movie, but the the it worked uh, in this one skull, too. No, it, it 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 really didn't. I think, but it wasn't necessarily the Karen movie. Allen and Harrison Ford's. No, fault. exactly. That's what I'm getting at. Those two yeah. characters belong together, and I like to see them on screen. And that was and one of the Shia, only highlights. Shia LaBeouf was was horrible. You know, I like him, but yeah, it was horrible. This this was a horrible role for him. Absolutely. Well, like, again, it, it, that whole. The, the whole, that whole character again smacked of the George Lucas influence there because it was, you know, oh yeah, here's a character and, and we'll find out halfway through the movie that he's the protagonist's son, uh, you know, which is George Lucas's Which is pretty shtick. obvious. Yeah, but it was yeah. pretty obvious right from the very beginning who he was. You, you know what it is? It's, it's, you know, it's George Lucas and Harrison Ford grabbing who they think is going to be the next big actor and hoping that they're going to be able to continue this franchise with the next yeah. big actor. That's what it is. Absolutely. But you can't you can't make a big thing about the fact that, you know, Indiana Jones is is you know in his in his 50s and still doing it uh, and then kind of play that off against the fact and here's his son who's you know doing the same sort of thing. It just it was just horrible. Yep. But the point I was trying to make by by raising Indiana Jones for is Raiders of the Lost Ark when it was first, uh, you know, when, when that movie came out, it was completely different. It was something brand new. It was bringing the old pulp serials from the 30s right. and 40s back in a very fresh and modern style. And these guys, you know, they were the hot guys back then and they were having the, the great ideas. And they were doing the movies that nobody else would make and they were making them better than anybody else could make them. And this is how they've ended up. It's a prime example of what you were saying, Tim, is about the guys who came along and were breaking the system and were the fresh new guys becoming part of the system and becoming right. embedded in the system. Yep. And, I, yeah, I think you're absolutely right because back in the 80s when George Lucas and Steven Spielberg teamed up for these series of movies, it was fantastic. There was nothing better. Yeah. And But here's, here's a, a counter to that. In the 70s, a brilliant movie came out, actually two, Rocky and Rocky II, and they were great movies. And I don't think anybody could ever say otherwise. And then three came out and it wasn't quite as good, but we were like, well, okay. Yeah, okay, it's all right. And then yeah. four came out and Which it was, was horrible. And then five came out and it, and was, it was bad. Worse. No, four was worse than five, let's be honest. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then, the whole Russian thing was yeah, just that that was, that, that was bad. And then 
20 years later, here he comes again. He's going to do a new Rocky movie, and everyone's like, ugh. Ugh, yeah. But then you watch it, and you realize, you know what? If they would have went from Rocky 1, 2, and then Rocky Balboa, because technically it's not Rocky 6, it's Rocky Balboa. But if you go from Rocky 1, 2, and then the last movie, it's really good. Yeah. If you forget about 3, 4, and 5, you just watch the first two and then the last one. This last Rocky movie was a brilliant bookend to that entire series of movies. He came full circle. And I don't mean because he's broke or anything, because he's happy at the end. Yeah, and, he, and actually, he he isn't broke. No, it, no, he owns a restaurant. He's doing yeah. pretty well for himself. His son is very. I'm living in your shadow, and and the speech that he gives his son finally, you know, you've got this thing that people owe you anything, and blah blah blah. And it was br- It was really well written. It was somewhat believable, especially when you consider uh, George Foreman did that in real life. Right. Um, he didn't win at the end. I know there's an alternate ending where he does. But in, I'm glad in, he, in I'm the glad he did film. No, he, well, he didn't win it in the first movie. It would have ruined movie. the movie. It would have ruined the movie. Absolutely. And, and they actually played that fight scene the way actual boxing is today. They had now, the HBO my, now, guys. Before you go any farther, the, the problem I had was the guy they had as the heavyweight champ was not a heavyweight. But Yes, he is, guy. He was the actually champion. the heavyweight champion of the world at the time they filmed that. That guy was the heavyweight yeah. champion. <laughs> yes, he was. <laughs> he didn't look that big to me. Uh, he's bigger than you might think. <laughs> but, you know, you're seeing him next to kind of fat, out of shape Sylvester Stallone, and he's going on 60s now. So he didn't seem as big. But, no, he he was the heavyweight champion of the world at the time. He was also the light heavyweight champion of the world as well. But, um, I, you know, I thought the new Rocky Balboa was a really good movie. And I don't think it got enough respect from people because three, uh, four, three, and, four five, and five yeah, were just, yeah. just crap and no one expected this one to be any better. So I, th- I don't think a lot of people even gave it a chance. Well, and let's not, for- let's not forget as well that Sylvester Stallone really sabotaged his own career with, some, with just some horrible, horrible choices as far as you know, making I don't think he ever sabotaged anything, dude. He's still a huge actor. What's what's he been in that that's been, Copland. That's been very successful? Copland. Okay, that was what eight years ago. Yeah. Okay, that was a long time ago. Judge I, Dredd, man. Oh, Judge, Judge you got to let's, let's talk about Cobra. <laughs> yeah. right, Bridget Nielsen and Cobra. Uh, uh, no, he yeah, he he did some stinkers, but I don't think you could pick any actor who hasn't done some stinker roles. But I will say this for Sylvester Stallone: he got a big head. Huge head in the 80s and part of the 90s. And I think he got over himself at some point. And he stopped trying to be the super tough guy on every single movie that he's in. And the superhero, basically. And he started playing real people again like he did in the first Rocky and in the first first Blood movie. And he became a better actor. And I think that his career, as far as being a good actor... And I'd say even a great actor was in Copland. I think it's one of the best roles he's ever done. Yeah, and I'd, I'd agree with that. I just I find it very difficult to look at um, Sylvester Stallone now. The plastic surgery is just so bad. Oh, it is absolutely. Like, you know, and and he 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 looks like somebody's exploded his head from inside out. Yep. Well, you know, I, I forgive him for that because I kind of understand where. 
I think a lot of that was done before he kind of came to his senses. If you if you see what the kind of films he's doing now, I don't know. I think he's doing a pretty good job. Well, he did Rambo in 2008. Yeah, I I never watched it. I have it. I actually have a digital copy of that, and I've that yet to watch it. That was the last flick that he did. Then he did one before that, uh, before actually before it was released before Rocky Balboa in 2005 called Las Vegas. Um, uh, didn't see it. I'm looking through the list of movies that he's done since 2000. Copland was 1997. Wow, is it that long ago? Yeah. It's a brilliant film, though. I mean, then yeah, again, it had... Harvey Keitel, I mean, <laughs> yeah, Robert well, De Niro. Yeah, with that, with that kind of, with that kind of. Yeah, talent. but would you put Sylvester Stallone in that movie? If you're casting that movie, and you've already got Robert De Niro, you've already got Harvey Keitel. Um, what's the one guy's name? Um, I'm, I'm, a second. I'm drawing a blank. He's the guy that Ray Liotta. Yes, Ray Liotta. Yeah. I love Ray Liotta. Hey, if Judy you've Garofalo. got. Yeah, she played the deputy. <laughs> but if you've got those actors, for your lead, do you go after Sylvester Stallone as the, the frumpy, not very smart, kind of slow, heart... Actually, that's almost perfect casting. I think so, but if you're in Hollywood, do you think that that's perfect casting? Obviously, someone did, but I'm almost amazed that that film got made with with him in there. I don't know. It, it's interesting. Cool. You know, I love movies. I love watching movies. I don't get to watch enough anymore. Um, and I think a lot of the movies that are out there aren't very well done. But every now and then, I'll watch something and I think, "Wow, that was that was actually pretty good." Um, the last movie that I actually saw takes place in 1987, and it's this kid who's supposed to go to um, Europe with his friends from college and his dad basically gets demoted and they have to move back to Pittsburgh. And instead of going on this great, you know, trip, <laughs> he has to go work at an amusing amusement park called Adventureland. And I saw the previews and I thought, yeah, it looks okay. And for one reason or another, I actually watched the movie. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought it was just well done, well acted, believable. Uh, what I, was it called? Adventureland. Okay. And I thought it was great. I, it was one of those movies that it's like, I'm glad I watched that now. But by the same token, you know, the thing that I watched right after that was Robot Chicken Star Wars Episode 2. So, <laughs> <laughs> which is brilliant Compared and well done, Trump's. but completely different type of show. <laughs> yeah. So anything else before we wrap this up, guys? Uh, we could go on for a long time well, talking that's, about that's the whole failed point. movies and failed actors. Yeah, that's the whole point of geekiest show, show ever. ever. Let's uh, throw out our uh, uh, Twitter names. I'm MyMac. Mac Parrot. And David B. Cohen. I will say, for those listening to this show, and you guys get to hear it before it's announced on MyMac, and this is kind of a MyMac-related thing, I'm going to be doing a contest on Twitter, and I know people are like, ugh, contests on Twitter suck. And they do. But I've got six 320-gig hard drives, external hard drives, to give away. And over a two-month period, I'm going to give away six of these drives. Um, so keep your eye peeled to my Twitter account, MyMac, and uh, you could win a brand-new hard drive. 
In the meantime, I'm check out the... Bad. No, not bad. Not for free. In the meantime, make sure you check out MyMac.com for all the latest happening in the... Well, that's not really true. We don't really do news. But no, look for really don't. good content up there. Yeah. <laughs> what to- I would say is, is, is anybody who's, who's listening to us who does want to send us a, a tweet, tweet or an email about anything you'd like us to talk about on Geeky Show ever... Give us some ideas, you know, give us some yeah. ideas of things you'd like and to you, hear from you us. Would be, you would be surprised at what it is that we'll probably do a show on. Exactly, yeah. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, promise, we'll promise to try and stay on the topic you suggest for at least five minutes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, oh, maybe. How many topics did we have? You know, I've got to write up the notes for this episode. Oh, I have no idea luck. what I'm going to write about. Good luck on that. I, I can't even remember half the stuff that we've already talked about on this show. Yep. Movies. Oh, I, quick. Twit, give me, give me some, give me Sylvester some ideas Stallone. for the name of the, the episode. Toby McGuire. Um, um, Rocky. A- actor apathy. I don't know. Actor apathy. I, I have no idea what to to name the show. Um, sure, we said we came up. We had an idea about for the actors. Show. Actors in paradise. Nah. Hmm. Paradise I, I have no remember. idea. Toby Maguire is spoiled. <laughs> Toby Maguire is <laughs> TM. spoiled. Just TM. Uh, TM I, I kind of like that. <laughs> is spoiled. Huh, maybe. We'll have, I'll have to think about it. I've got a whole ten minutes before I have to come up with an idea. So. <laughs> All right. So with that, we're going to wrap up the geekiest show ever, number 14. We'll be back in two weeks with... Hey, who knows it'll be what? an anniversary. It'll be... The 15. <laughs> yeah. Anniversary show. It'll be the sorta. first time we've ever talked about... Uh, no, it won't. Something. <laughs> we need to start coming up with some ideas and, and kind of sticking to topic. Um, we did we did a Matrix show, didn't we? Did we ever do the Matrix? I don't, I don't think we, we did. We, we did talk about the Matrix. I don't know whether we did a whole show on it. I'm, you know, because they, I really love that first movie. And I wouldn't mind doing an entire geekiest show ever on the matrix i think uh the matrix was one of the best sci-fi films of all time um at least the first one that's what i what i said the the first one yeah um but i think it's it would make a good show on just how it all went terribly wrong (laughs) so that's an idea Uh, we we actually could have talked about it on this show because it was it was kind of a similar concept where you have you know new people coming up with a good idea and they end up kind of, you know, ruining the franchise by, you know, not sticking to what made the first one so good. Well, I, I thought that for a long time, too. But then I got some information briefly read on the Internet uh, about somebody suing them because they basically oh, it was derivative of something else. Well, they basically took this lady's book and uh, two different sources did both the Terminator and the Matrix took so much from her story that she actually won. Um, it's I have to go back and look at it, but that might be something that's worth talking about. That where do people get the ideas from these movies for these movies, and how much of their work is a derivative of something else? That might be interesting well, uh, as well. Almost everything is derivative. Yes, of but when else. you when you, no, you some some things are more derivative. Yeah, some things are a ripoff. Yes, of, yeah. of others, and you can't just take somebody else's book and make a movie that's so similar that you you know a jury says, "Oh, come on, please," 
and think that, well, yeah, it's just everything's derivative. You can't really say that. At least I don't well, think I could, you can. You could, but you'd be wrong. Be true. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll throw some ideas out there. We'd love it if uh, those listening to us throw some ideas at us as well. You know, we, we do a lot of movie stuff because that's kind of what we all have in common. Um, we, we did a video game show, and there's only so much we can really talk about when it comes to video games because unless it's a video game that we've all played extensively, it's right. kind of hard to do because uh, Guy is not really a big gamer. Uh, David's kind of middle of the road, and I'm learning. Well, I don't well, want to say know, hardcore, we can have the I whole show with way. you just you know going off on on particular games, and Dave and me on the sideline going, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's right, Tim. Mm-hmm. Ray Liotta was great in Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Yeah, it was. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Did, did you know he was in Grand Theft Auto Vice City, guy? Not a clue. See, that's why you should get the video <laughs> games. Yeah, but it's, if, we, if, it's if, that, if this Yoda. had been what that show was about, I would have gone, oh, yeah, I knew that. Well, basically, Grand yeah. Theft Auto Vice City is kind of like Goodfellas. Sounds like it anyways. <laughs> All right. With that, we're going to wrap up the show. We'll be back in two weeks. Make sure you listen to the MyMac.com podcast. Follow us on Twitter and send us feedback. Feedback at MyMac.com. We need sponsors, too. No, who's going to sponsor this show? Come on. I'm, just, I'm, not saying, I'm not saying anybody will. I'm just saying we need one. Yeah, yeah, Toby we, McGuire will sponsor it. Yes, especially after this show. That's You know what? <laughs> Toby, Toby McGuire sponsors. Wait, no, this week's... You know what you could do you, if, for, the, for the show opener? You know, this week's episode sponsored by Toby McGuire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put sponsored by Toby McGuire. <laughs> okay, that's a That's good the one. name of the show this week. Yeah, great. And as far as the opening, um, I don't do any post-production work on this on this show. <laughs> I do on the MyMac podcast, but I don't do it on this show. It's just whatever it is, it is. And we ramble for, so far, 57 minutes and 32 seconds. And, you know, it is what it is. And if people well, like if it, they listen. You can find a sound clip of, um, I can't think of, think of the actor's name, when he's telling Tobey Maguire, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> That'd be funny. If 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 we put more effort into the show, we could really produce the hell out of it and use a lot of sound clips and stuff like that. But we have to come up with what we're going to talk about first. Yeah, yeah, that kind of helps. Yeah, so we can have everything prepared. And well, we were know, so ready this week. We, well, absolutely. No. Now, for those listening, we actually talked for like forty-five minutes about mymac.com related stuff before we even got to recording the show. And then when we did, we we're like, okay, what are we going to talk about? And David said, how about alien invasions of Earth? We said, cool, let's go. And then, and then we yeah. never went there. Never really or went barely. there. barely. Yeah. But that being said, and I can't speak for the, the listeners, obviously, but I actually enjoy talking about this stuff this week. Yeah, it was, it was all over the map, that's for sure. That works sometimes. So for yep. Guy and David, I'm Tim Robertson, and we're out of here. <laughs>